Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Cassidy Church, and it is a joy to be with you on this 4th of July weekend to be able to celebrate uh, what God is doing in our country, in our world, and what, what we are able to, as a country, celebrate our independence uh, and and really kind of get into who we are as a country. So uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thanks for being part of our online uh, community. We, we are striving to build an online community that is vibrant and that is interactive and loving God where they are. So whether you're uh, at home because of COVID or on vacation because of the 4th of July weekend, or if you're in a different part of the world, uh, we welcome you and we hope that in us, you will find a group of folks who are passionate about being more like Jesus. We realize we're not uh, all, that, all that we're supposed to be. We realize we fall short of God all the time, but we know the one who is perfect, and that's Jesus. And he invites us on a path to perfection, and, and so that's where we are uh, as a community. And we invite you to come along for the, the trip with us to, to develop, to grow in our relationship with one another, in our relationship with God, so that we can better love God, better love our communities, wherever that is, and, and better relate to one another uh, in this world. So we're excited that you're here. If you are here for the very first time, I I just wanted to say a very special welcome to you. I'm so glad that you have spent uh, some time with us. If somebody invited you, please just give them a shout out. Say, hey, in chat, thanks so much for, uh, for inviting me. Uh, if, you, if you just came across uh, the website and you're just checking us out, well, you're welcome too. We're excited to have all of you with us. Uh, wherever you are in the world this day, uh, I, I just pray that, that God's presence, that God's holiness will be made known to you throughout this service of worship. Uh, we're, we're talking about a brand new sermon series this week, uh, and it, it's, it's actually going to be for the next four weeks, and it's called Armor Up, uh, and it's taking a look at the armor of God, and it's based off of the, the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus called the Letter to the Ephesians, and we're going to take a look at that in a minute, but uh, I just wanted to warn you, when, when, I think about, uh, when I think about armor, the first place my head goes is always uh, Monty Python and the quest for the Holy Grail. Um, you know, the coconuts and the horses, oh, it's so good. Uh, my 12-year-old self really enjoys the idea of Monty Python and, and just the, the whole concept behind it because it's dumb. This is not me saying you should go watch this by any means because I don't think it's really redeemable, uh, but to me it's hilarious. And that's, I just thought maybe you wanted to know where my mind went when I thought about armor. Or maybe it's one of those other movies like Lord of the Rings, which is okay. Uh, you know, it's phenomenal. It's a great story. Or Star Wars. I don't know if you know this, but Star Wars has laser swords. And Darth Vader wears armor. I know it's a stretch, but I love Star Wars, so I'm just going to include it anyway. Um, none of that has anything to do with what we're talking about today. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have to leave all the sci-fi and the fantasy behind so that we can get to the root of what the armor of God is all about. And so I wanted to, to, to start with saying, you know, we've been, we've been in this weird time and... and uh, 
we want to have a moment where we can claim a little bit of victory in our day-to-day life. I, if, if it's, maybe it's just me, but I want a little bit of victory every single day. I would love to have a little bit of victory. Victory in Jesus sounds amazing, so uh, maybe I can get an amen, type an amen in the chat, whatever. But uh, I think it would be awesome if we had an opportunity to, to claim a, a small victory each and every day. Maybe, maybe even claim a big victory each and every day, especially during this time uh, in our world where things are so kind of disjointed and out of whack. And so I wanted to, to look at um, this, this idea of the armor of God, but we're not doing this in a vacuum. Uh, the idea of the armor of God actually came from our, uh, our VBS set, set that's coming up later this month. We're going to invite students, kiddos here, to come and learn about the armor of God. And, and it's called the Knights of Northwatch, and they're going to go on a quest for the king's armor. And, and to prepare us, I thought, hey, what a great opportunity that we could learn uh, and come alongside the students and, and the young folks and, and see what the armor of God is all about. So that way... When they show up at the end of the month, we're like, yeah, we know that story. Uh, we're all good. We, we understand what the story is about, and maybe we can share some of that with some of these youth. So if you, um, if you live in the, the Nixa area and the Springfield area, Christian County, and you want to have your kiddos come to Vacation Bible School here. It's going to be the last week of July. Uh, we would encourage you to go ahead and uh, sign up for that because there's free t-shirts for them. If you sign up early, uh, we're taking a max of, I think, 42 students, 48 students, something like that. Um, and so we want to get you the ability to invite your, your family, invite your grandkids, invite your children, uh, invite your neighbors, kids, whatever it is, invite them to come and be a part of this VBS experience, Vacation Bible School experience, this Knights of Northwatch. Uh, it's going to be really exciting, and hopefully for us, it's going to be exciting too to work through the idea of the armor of God. And, and so we're going to do that by starting to look at the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Uh, we, we title this letter the uh, letter to the Ephesians or the epistle to the Ephesians. Um, and it's, it's really just a story that, or a letter that Paul writes after he had already been there. You see, years before this letter, Paul had gone to Ephesus on his missionary agenda where he was starting churches and building churches uh, up from nothing. And he shows up in Ephesus and Ephesus was a mega center for pagan worship. The, the Roman and Greek gods were heavily worshiped in Ephesus. And so Paul shows up there and spends a couple of years there because he has so much response. So many people are becoming Christian because of Paul's teaching in Ephesus. And, and so it really excites him. He spends a couple of years there and then he moves on. And later while he's in prison, he writes this letter to them. And it's a letter of encouragement. It's a letter of hope. It's a letter that, that challenges them and also reminds them of who they are. He starts it off with this beautiful poem about God, the creator, and then he, he shares into that the idea of when Christ came, Christ came to unify the world under Christ's banner, to become king of all creation and to let everyone know that they could be a part of that kingdom, the kingdom of God. 
And Paul says in, in, in the old way, uh, under Judaism only, that God had said that you have to do these rules and these regulations to become a follower of God, and, and it was restrictive. But in the new way, Jesus invites everyone to come into relationship, and it's this beautiful picture of unity, uh, of Jew and Gentile, of, of foreigner and, and local, that, that everyone is invited to be a part of this story that God has been writing across time. And Paul continues by having this story unfold and, and paints a picture of what it looks like to be in relationship with God. And he starts by saying, you know, we become new creatures in Jesus. And so he, he, he uses the language of taking off old clothing and putting on new clothing to talk about how we need to take off our old self, the self that was bound in bondage to sin and death, and put on the new self that is free and, and liberated through Jesus Christ. And he talks about that in, in so many different relationships. One of those relationships is like that of a husband and a wife. And when we, when we, uh, when we, have that mutual sense of responsibility and love and care and sacrifice for one another, that that's, that's a beautiful picture of the church. And so Paul has written this story uh, to the Ephesians to illustrate what the gospel is and what your response and their response should be uh, with the gospel message. And it's, it's a letter of encouragement and hope. But then in chapter 6, he kind of takes a, a weird turn. So I'm going to pause there for a second and say, hey, if you're joining us and, and you have a Bible or a Bible app, I would encourage you over, over the next couple of days, you know, after the service is over, get that thing out. Ephesians is six chapters long. Just read through the book of Ephesians. Spend a little time in there. Get to know what this story is all about. It's, it's an awesome uh, picture of relationship between God and, and his creation, the church, and us as believers. And so I, I encourage you to do that because when we get to chapter six, we take this strange, it might seem like a strange turn for us, uh, but we're going to kind of talk through it. It says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can make your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles are, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. This is Paul's letter of encouragement to them, and he, he takes this different direction about the armor of God, but he says we're putting on the armor of God not just so that we can, uh, you know, be decked out in really cool armor, but because we need it to fight against spiritual enemies. Now, I know, I know in this day and age, in our modern era where we have come through enlightenment, we know way more about the world than most everybody did in the first century. Uh, we know more about physics 
We know more about uh, geography. We understand better how the world works because we have satellites in orbit. We have, we have uh, plumbed the depths of science and we understand so many things about the world that we can think to ourselves, we don't need to bother with some spiritual enemy. We have, we have enough problems on our own. Uh, it's hard enough for me to believe in God, let alone believe in an enemy with horns and red and you know, goat's legs and that kind of thing. And so if that's your view of the, of the enemy of God, the, the devil or Satan, I want to kind of fix our, our perspective so that we understand a little bit better uh, what we're talking about. Um, not so much that we understand the mindset, because I think that's beyond us, uh, but that we don't have to be so, so overly concerned with that, because I think we have two different perspectives. One is, uh, I don't need anybody that I should blame anything on. Everything is my fault that I do wrong. Um, and that's, that's one perspective. And the other perspective is everything that I do wrong is because of the devil, so I'm going to blame him for everything, right? And so we can have one of these two perspectives. And what I think is we need to find a middle line. Uh, we need to find a middle way that, that we understand that we have an enemy out there, but we also understand that God is doing everything that we need to be successful and that we can be successful without having to blame the devil for everything that goes wrong in our world, in our life, um, every thought that enters into our head, anything like that. And so I wanted to start by allowing us to understand that we have an enemy. Now, maybe you're sitting out there and you're like, of course, I understand. We got the, the devil is real. Um, but maybe you're on the fence about that. So I want to I wanna address that uh, for just a moment. First, I want you to, to understand that the reason that, that uh, I believe in a, an enemy against God is, is because throughout Scripture, the, the enemy is present. We see the enemy even in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden uh, in, the, in the form of a serpent, and we see the enemy interacting with Jesus. And Jesus is my go-to guy for understanding what's real and what's not, and, and Jesus addresses his disciples and tells them a story that happened right after he was baptized. Uh, Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan River, and then it says this in Luke's gospel. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. He had just been baptized and was led by the Spirit, God's Spirit, into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Uh, I think that's an understatement, but we'll get there. Uh, but the idea is this, that, that Jesus told his disciples this story. Jesus said, I went into the wilderness and was tempted for 40 days by the devil. And, and I, I don't think Jesus was prone to exaggeration. I don't think Jesus was prone to making up stories. And so I'm going to take Jesus at, at what he says and understand that maybe, uh, maybe, just maybe, there's an enemy to God. And that same enemy is uh, against us as well because, uh, because God loves us so much. And, and Jesus, after he sends like 72 of his disciples out to preach and, and they're casting out demons in his name. And then they come back and, and they said, Jesus, we, we even saw the demons listening to us. And it says this, uh, Jesus replied, I saw Satan 
fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus is acknowledging that there is an opponent that's out there, something, some force that is against God. Now, we know that God created everything in the beginning, so it's something that God created, and we don't know exactly how all of this worked. We don't know when the angels or the heavenly beings were all created. What we do know is that at some point, there was a rebellion in heaven as well as uh, just like we did on earth. And, and we don't know why. We don't understand any of that because the Bible is not about the death the Bible is about God, amen, uh, which is a great thing. But the truth is that we need to understand a little bit about our enemy so that we can be prepared. Sun Tzu said, know your enemy. He wrote The Art of War a long time ago. Uh, but the idea is if we don't at least acknowledge that we have that, we can't be prepared to counter that. If we don't acknowledge that we have an enemy, we can't be prepared to do things to protect ourselves so that we can be realistic about the problems that we're going to encounter. Uh, and so that's kind of where I wanted to start. And, and even, even the, the mainstream world understands this concept of uh, how modernity or the, the idea of enlightened minds don't really need uh, the evil or antichrist or the devil or whatever you want to call him, this, this force against God. We don't need that because we've got enough bad in the world. Um, but there's this movie called The Usual Suspects. It has nothing to do with God, but one of the greatest lines in that movie is this. It says, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And the reason it's so great is because that is a way that you can, uh, you can have an invisibility about yourself. That, that if you're trying to work against God, it's a whole lot better that nobody knows you're around rather than having the, the problem of trying to convince the world that yes, God is real too and I'm real. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's this idea of, of hiding in plain sight so that we can, have, we can be so enlightened that we're not worried about this kind of thing. And, and I know, I know that there are pastors and theologians that would disagree with me on this, that they would say that there is no, no enemy of God, that there's nothing like that. And, and I, I, in my experience, in my understanding, in my growth, in my theo theological knowledge, um, I would tend to argue wholeheartedly against them for that because I've seen crazy things in my life that, that I can't explain without some, some piece of an enemy that's turning against God, that's trying to woo us into a different, different direction. Another thing that I, I just wanted to, uh, to throw out there, it comes from a guy named C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis is a, uh, he's an author um, he, he became Christian during World War II, was a staunch atheist, was a friend of J.R.R. Tolkien who wrote The Lord of the Rings. Um, he was a staunch atheist and then he became a Christian and he wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. And this comes from The Screwtape Letters. It says this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. 
One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and, and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased, being the demons, are equally pleased by both errors. And, and, half a, and a materialist or a, a magician is, is exciting. They, <laughs> Uh, a materialist or a magician with the same delight. They, they, they just love that concept of, of either I don't believe it exists or I'm too interested. That's why I said in the beginning it's important for us to understand that the book of, of the Bible is not about the devil. It's about God and God's victory. Uh, but again, we need to understand this. So if you have an opportunity to read the screw tape letters, you want to, it's a freaky book. What it does is it's a book that's about correspondence between one devil and another devil that are trying to win over uh, the, uh, the, the, any, any humans that, that they're, they're assigned to. And so it's uh, arguments that they put against humans, arguments that they put against the church, things like that. And what's really crazy about this book is that um, it really starts to, uh, if you have any mono, inner monologue at all, what it starts to do is you start to hear arguments you yourself have used in order to postpone or not do or uh, to do things that you shouldn't be doing, those types of things, it, it, it calls your attention clearly to those arguments, which for me, the first time I read it, it made me seriously uncomfortable. Like it made my skin crawl because I have had these arguments with myself. And so I recommend that, that book to anybody that wants to read about it, uh, but just know it's going to make you feel a little creeped out. Um, because of the arguments that are there. So the, the whole idea then that I want us to start with for today in this, in this four-week journey is to understand that the, that the armor of God is not something we're putting on so that we can have really cool shiny armor on. Uh, instead, the armor of God is something that we put on so that we can protect ourselves in the life that Jesus calls us to, so that we can defend ourselves against the enemy that exists in our world and comes against us with lies and with brutal destruction in mind. And, and if that's the case, we can take, a, take some hope from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We can take some hope in knowing that we're not lost but it, because we're not alone in this. We're, and I'm not talking about just the church. We also have Jesus in this because Jesus has come into our world uh, and come into the darkness, sent into the darkness to chase us down and bring us back. And he's not going to leave us unprepared. He sent saints before us, but he also gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit. And we have a new life that we receive in Jesus Christ. And that's what makes it possible to walk in this different way. That's what Paul talks about in this letter of taking off the old self and putting on the new. He says it like this. First, we, we used to, the old self is filled with lies. The new self should be filled with truth. The old self is filled with anger. The new self is filled with peace. The old self is filled with theft or, or a lust after somebody else's things. And the new self is filled with generosity. The old self is filled with gossip. The new self encourages others. The old self seeks revenge. The new self strives for forgiveness. 
The old self is focused on promiscuity or self-satisfaction, and the new self is, uh, it has more self-control, and the old self is focused on uh, drunkenness or uh, self-indulgence, and the new self instead focuses on God's Spirit. This is the difference between the two and the line that Paul says we need to understand that we're crossing each time we backslide into the old life. Anything that we do like that, uh, and we need to protect ourselves against that by putting on this armor of God. And we're going to get into all of the, the, the pieces of this armor, but to start with, I wanted us to understand that we need to start by knowing that we have an enemy. And I want to end with this. Um, we should pay attention to the devil, just not too much attention. Because while we have an enemy, we don't want to focus on the enemy, but on our victory in Jesus. So let us prepare our hearts, let us prepare our minds for a relationship where we can come alive in Jesus Christ and where we can come together and rally around one another and, and put on the full armor of God so that we can be made more into God's image and that we can defend ourselves against those who would come to do harm and do, uh, to e express spiritual warfare against us in whatever way that would be. Let's go to God in prayer. Holy One, thank you so much for the gift you give us in Jesus Christ. And we don't understand how the heavenly realm works. We have a hard enough time understanding how our world works. But we recognize that you have encouraged us to put on your, your armor, the armor of protection against the enemy. And our enemy is not of flesh and blood, but of spiritual wickedness. And so God, we just pray that you would be with us, that you would help us to grow in our relationship with you, that you would help us to recognize who you are and whose we are so that we can come alive in who you are and so that we can live a life filled with joy and with hope and with peace in, in, in this spirit of unity that you offer us in the church and with you. Help us to embrace that. Help us to live into that and help us to be protected. Help us to stand firm with you and to not fall into sin. Help us to not be tricked or trapped by the enemy and instead Help us to be covered in grace and led in the way that leads to victory in Jesus Christ. We pray all of this in his holy name and everyone agreed and said, amen.